and we're going to continue the, uh, the uh, series, the sermon series that we started uh, a month ago entitled Encounters. And uh, we are looking at different moments that people had in Scripture with Jesus. And uh, we've, uh, we've seen some great uh, encounters that the Lord had, and we've learned a lot from them. Today, we're going to take a look at the woman who uh, had what's called the issue of blood. She had a bleeding issue. And the title of this message is simply, Who Touched Me? Who Touched Me? What's interesting about this particular miracle is that Jesus was actually on his way to do another miracle, and then this one took place. And there's a lot we can learn from this unnamed woman who found an incredible encounter, incredible answer to uh, the misery that she had been going through for quite some time. And so we're in the book of Mark chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 24, and we're going to go to verse 34. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 24. If you're able to, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word as we look at this together. Mark chapter 5, verse 24, beginning in verse uh, I'm sorry, Mark 5, 24, going to verse 34. There we go. And uh, let's pick it up right at the middle of the verse. Actually, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read the whole first verse. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her, her, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus, I pray that... Just as an unnamed woman touched the hem of your garment, touched the edge of your clothes, and saw power come from you, I pray that there would be somebody in this church who would touch you today, and they would see you do great things in their lives. So Jesus, we commit this whole message to you. Touch us, encourage us, and change us, I pray. And it's in your name, and we all said amen. 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 You may be seated. Who touched me? What a, 
What I love about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that oftentimes you can read the same story in a couple of different locations and get different insights. And in this story, this story is actually also told by Dr. Luke. And uh, he takes us to Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 42. Look at his perspective on this. Uh, He said, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Notice, by the way, that Dr. Luke left out the part about no doctors could help her. So... She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, uh, I've grown up hearing this story. Many of you probably have as well. And the amazing thing again for me is the creativity in Jesus' miracles. Uh, A few weeks ago, we read how Jesus spit in a man's eyes and he was healed. There's other times where Jesus would just speak and a miracle would come. In this case, while there were tons of people crowding around Jesus, in fact, Luke says that they almost crushed Jesus. While that was going on, One woman's touch of the edge of his clothes, the hem of his garment, one woman's touch caused him to pause and say, who touched me? Because power has gone out from me. And I will tell you that sometimes I think that we have made praying to Jesus and touching Jesus a little difficult. We've written books about it. Well, I haven't, but we, we've seen books written about it. You know, Seven Simple Steps to Your Blessing. B-L-E-S-S-I-N apostrophe. And, 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 and we make it so difficult. And this, this woman, this woman just touched the... Do you, do you realize how little of a touch that is? And yet power came. But I will tell you that uh, I believe there were a number of obstacles this woman had to overcome in order to put herself in the place to receive that miracle. And interestingly enough, I think what she had to deal with before making that touch and receiving that miracle What she had to deal with are oftentimes some of the things that we have to deal with when we are asking God to answer a prayer, when we are asking God for a miracle, when we are trusting God to do something great. Some of the very same things that she had to deal with, sometimes we have to deal with, and I want to identify those 
those today, and I want to help you. Because how amazing would it be that at the end of a service, even today, or maybe at your home, or maybe in your car, that Jesus could somehow say, who touched me? Somebody touched me. And I know this because power has just gone out from me. Let me show you what she had to deal with. Number one, I think that she had to deal with some frustration. Ooh. Wow. And, and some of you can relate. Look what she dealt with, okay? Verse, uh, verses 24 and 25, they say this. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So let's pause there for a moment. You don't think this was a frustrated woman? You know, some of us, we deal with with certain things for 12 days, and it's rough. 12 weeks? Whoa. 12 months? 12 years? 12 years of a bleeding issue that obviously brought her great weakness, obviously was very hard on her physically, emotionally, and we're going to cover later, even in other ways as well. We identify this woman as a woman with the issue of blood. But I will tell you that she had a number of, quote, issues that she might have dealt with. We just went through them. First of all, this went on for 12 years. 12 years. Doctors gave her absolutely no help. And we're not saying it's a sin to go to the doctor at all. But even under the care of doctors, she couldn't get answers. Financially, she was absolutely broke. She spent, in order to get better, she spent all that she had. And with all of those efforts, and with all the doctor's care, and with all that time, and with all that money spent, she kept getting worse. Have you been there? Maybe there's been something you've been asking God for for quite some time, and you've not seen the answer yet. And so what has, what has replaced your faith in God is frustration with God. This has gone on so long. This, this has kind of hit you where you weren't looking. You didn't understand why this was going on. This is costing you whatever it is that's, that's taken place in your life. It's costing you emotionally. It's costing you physically. It could be costing you financially. This has really been difficult for you, and it's not getting better, God. It's getting worse. May I 
pause here and tell you that there's nothing in Scripture that says that this woman sinned and this was the result of it. Boy, that's bad teaching. If you believe that, that's horrible. That's horrible theology. You just don't have enough faith. Hmm. In the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. Because sometimes difficult things happen to really good people. And they happen for sometimes for extended amounts of time. And maybe you or somebody watching online, you're, you're right in the midst right now of that journey. And it's been a long journey. And it's been a difficult journey. Whether it be 12 days or 12 years, it's been a, maybe 12 hours. It, it has been a difficult journey for you. Is that enough for you to give up on Jesus? Is it enough for us to say, okay, that's it. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Why would Jesus let this happen? Can I pause and address that question, by the way? Here's the thing. We get into trouble when we try to think of God in terms of a human being, especially when that human being is you. Well, I wouldn't do this. Well, you're not God, no matter what you think. You're not God. And so to try to say, well, if I were God, I wouldn't do this. Okay, I wouldn't let this happen. Okay, understand, understand, okay? You have no idea what it would be to be like God. And how do I know this? Because the Bible says that his ways are so higher than our ways. See, here's, here's my fill box, okay? It's not very visible, but this is my fill box, okay? And within my fill box is my understanding. And within my fill box is how I would do things. And within my fill box is... is, is how the universe should be, according to Phil. Right there. And then there's my God box. In fact, there is no box. And it's so much bigger than the Phil box. And, and I make a mistake trying to cram God in the Phil box. And that's where my frustration comes in. Because I start thinking that God should act like me. When the, when the whole point of the matter is that I need to get to a place where I start thinking like God. And I, sometimes I just can't do that. So that's when I have to rest and I have to say, okay, God, I don't know why, but I'm still going to trust you. I don't get it but I'm still going to trust you. I don't know what your plan is. I wouldn't mind you letting me know, but I don't know what your plan is, but I love you enough and I trust you enough to know that you are good. You will always be good. Whether I agree with it or not, he is always good. Don't allow your expectations to lead to spiritual frustration. This woman was frustrated. 
and she had a good right to be. But then there's another thing she had to overcome, not just her personal frustrations, but if I could use this term, she had to deal with those that were in the congregation. Wow. The scene here is pretty wild. Look at Mark again. Verse 24 says, So Jesus went with them, and a large crowd followed him, and they pressed around him. Skip down to verse 27. When she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And then if you look at what we read in the book of Luke, Dr. Luke tells us as Jesus is on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So I want you to picture this. I don't know if you've ever been in a, uh, in, in, in a situation where the crowd was just so heavy, it was hard to walk through all the people, okay? I hate that, okay? Some people call that fun. Some people call that Spirit Airlines. Uh, other people, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I, that, that will give me anxiety, Okay, if I'm walking through a bunch of people and, and, and it's just wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder, I'm thinking, oh, I need a corner or, you know, like some, what some of you do during meet and greet, just run to the bathroom, right, until it clears out. <laughs> we know who you are. We know who you are. But I've never been, maybe some of you, I've never been in a situation where I thought I was going to get crushed by all the people. And the, the, the people were so into this that they were nearly crushing Jesus. But no, none of them caused Jesus to say, who touched me? Were there people touching him? Oh, yeah. But none of them touched him. It's really interesting when you compare the crowd and the woman. The crowd followed Jesus, so did the woman. The crowd pressed into Jesus. The woman came humbly to Jesus. The crowd nearly crushed Jesus. The woman merely touched his clothes. For the crowd... No power went out from him. For the woman, power went out from him. You see, there were quite a few people that were following and touching Jesus. But not one of them caused Jesus to pause and say, someone touched me. Do you know what's a scary thing? It's a scary thing that we can go through the exercise of, quote, touching Jesus and never really connect with him. I've seen people 
even like during a worship service, who uh, just will not engage in worship whatsoever, may I tell you that you're missing out. Well, I don't like that song. We're not singing to you. That was good. Dare I say that there were some people in that crowd that were probably pretty demonstrative. They might have even said the right words. They might have been really aggressive. And when, when one guy saw that guy doing it, he said, well, I need to do it that way too. And they all just, just trying to press against him. And I've seen that in churches where rather than humbly coming to Jesus and just touching him, a lot of us think that we have to work ourselves into some spiritual lather in order for Jesus to display his power. And there's nothing wrong with praying powerfully. There's nothing wrong with praying passionately. I'm all for it. But let's not forget, let's not forget that putting on a spiritual show does not equate to touching Jesus. Well, y'all ain't doing it right. Well, please. In fact, this woman didn't even, this woman didn't even say a prayer. Did you notice that? All she did was touch his clothes. All she did was touch his clothes. Could I ask, are, are, are we merely crushing Jesus or are we touching Jesus? Are we coming to him humbly? Not telling him what to do. Oh, I hate it when preachers do that. Lord, you do this. I'm not going to tell the creator of the universe to do anything. Well, I bind this, and I confess this. and oh, Stop! Just humbly come to the Lord. You might be amazed what a simple touch, what a simple prayer might do. It was not until the woman touched him that he said, power has gone out from me. So the woman received her healing. But thirdly, she not only had to deal with all that other stuff, but then I believe that she had to deal with a little bit of a hesitation after her miracle. And what do I mean by that? Uh, this is important. Look at, uh, look at verse 35. It says, The woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Look how Luke puts it. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. So Luke tells me that it looked like she wanted to kind of Touches clothes, she got her healing and thought, I think I better sneak away. Now, why would she want to sneak away? Why would she even hesitate to be recognized? Some have suggested that uh, it might have been because she was embarrassed. Uh, according to the Old Testament law, 
her physical condition made her a bit of an outcast in society. So the fact that she was even out amongst all the people was a bit of a risk there anyway. Maybe she was just uncertain about what happened. But it looked like she was just trying to slip away after getting her healing. And, and Jesus was like, uh-uh, who touched me? And then the woman knew she couldn't go unnoticed. She could no longer hesitate to come back to the feet of Jesus. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't hesitate to come to the feet of Jesus after he answers your prayer. I've met too many people who've received their answer and then they don't talk to Jesus again until the next crisis. That's not how it's done. That's not how God has designed this thing. When you receive an answer to your prayer, when you receive a miracle, when God touches your body, when God does something significant in your life, then do not hesitate to draw closer, not away from God, to draw closer to the Lord. Do you know when you are very vulnerable as a believer? It's right after an answer to your prayer. That's when you're vulnerable. That's when your guard tends to come down. That's when you start to think, wow, this thing I've been holding on to and praying for for so long, finally I got my answer. And then it's almost tempting to take a little bit of a break. But then Jesus would say, no, 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 you come here. You come as close, come as close to me as you can. Why? Why didn't he want her to just slip away? Was he trying to build his ministry? No. Was he trying to add her picture to his website? No. Take a selfie for Instagram? No. I think he had something to say to her. In fact, we'll get to that as I close. Maybe he has more to do in your life. Some have suggested, by the way, that that word healed, your faith has healed you. Some have suggested that it has a double meaning to not only talk about a physical healing, but also saying that your faith has saved you. It could be that there's a greater work that God wants to do in your life. You think he answered your prayer? Awesome. You think he's done? No. He's got more to do. He's got more to do. He's just getting started with you. He wants to answer more prayers. You, you, you do not have a limit on answered prayer. He still wants to answer. He wants to be a blessing to you, and he wants you to come close to him. Don't lose this. Some of us, the only time that we connect with God, the only time we touch him is when we're in a crisis. And I think Jesus would say, let's not make this crisis management. Let's have a relationship together. Let's talk tomorrow. Let's talk the next day. Let's be together. Let's, let's build this together. Let, sure, I healed you, but I got more for you. There's more I want to do in your life. 
That leads me to the last obstacle that I think this woman had to overcome. And I'll put it to you this way. There was some clarification, I think, that had to be made. Now, I want you to understand that this conversation that Jesus is having with this woman who just got healed, this conversation is not happening inside an office where it's just the two of them. How many of you understand this? Okay. This conversation is happening surrounded by a bunch of people who were pressing into Jesus and nearly crushed him. You got me so far? Okay, so I'm going to tell you that I think this conversation was just as much for the woman, but it was also for those who were overhearing. Let me show you what I mean. Mark chapter 5 again, take a look at this. It says, he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know what Jesus didn't say? Hey, that grip that you had on my clothes, perfect. Because you touched the magic cloak, you got healed. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus did not say, hey, hey, this action of yours, because you touched my clothes and you didn't try to crush me, that's what healed you. Thank God he didn't say that because then... Can you imagine? Then all the people would say, touch his clothes! What a, what, a, what a maddening scene that would have been. But Jesus didn't say that. So I think this was just as much for the onlookers as it was for the woman. He clarified to her, and please don't miss this part of the story, Jesus had to say something to clarify what could have gotten misconstrued here. The Lord points out that it wasn't the fact that she touched his clothes. It was the faith that she had in him. Jesus didn't say, okay, from now on, uh, I'm going to sell t-shirts. If you just touch these t-shirts, you'll be healed got a cannon, like at the, at the ball game. He said it was your faith. It was your faith, your humble, childlike faith in me that would think that all you had to do was touch the edge of my clothing for you to see an answer to a 12-year prayer. What might happen? What might happen if we stop thinking that our miracle depends on us and it depends more on Him? My mom on her on her deathbed. Those of you who don't know, she passed away when I was nineteen, and she she took notes all the time, just wrote notes all the time. When she'd study her Bible, she'd listen to her favorite preacher, preachers, um, people that I didn't necessarily like, but whatever. And uh, so she, she'd take notes. And as she's, as she's uh, fighting cancer, okay, single mother of three boys, and so pretty desperate situation, 
as she's fighting cancer, she, she's writing these prayers, hoping that she gets the wording correct. Hoping that by putting the, the word confess or profess or claim or, or whatever, if she put it in the right place, then she could get her healing. And, and I looked at her notes after she passed away, and I thought, wow, what, what, a, what a rough way to spend the end of your life. Her intentions, very good. But church, listen to me. So if you wonder why I get a little fired up about this kind of preaching, that's why. Because your miracle doesn't depend on you. It doesn't. Sure, we pray. We touch. We approach him. But God's the miracle worker. Jesus is the one that gives the answers. Jesus is the one who it depends on. Not me. Not me. And the simplest touch, Jonathan, if you could help me, the simplest touch can cause Jesus to pause and say, somebody touched me. There's something taking place right now in Asbury College in Kentucky. I'm not sure how many of you, has anybody heard about this? Okay, a couple of you, okay. Back in 1970, there was what was called a great revival that took place in Asbury College. That is now happening again. The students at Asbury, and I've got a couple pictures for you to see, these students have been in constant prayer and worship since Wednesday's chapel at Asbury. Now, here's what's, here's what's interesting. This is not a Pentecostal school. It's not. But students are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit in the service. The, the power of God is, is falling upon those students. And I even watched the service, the, the chapel service, and I thought, what prompted this? And it, it was not my intent to think, well, I could copy that. <laughs> I've learned better. It was just a regular, well, not regular, but it was just a sermon about the love of God and loving each other. And that was it. Chapel was dismissed, and, and there was a small group of students. It started with about a dozen that lingered, and they just kept touching Jesus. They just prayed. They, they, they would worship God, and they would pray. No, no music going crazy in the background so that they could play the right songs. It, it, it was just a group of students that had never experienced anything like this ever. And they haven't left the chapel since Wednesday. Already, 
there are students coming from nearby University of Kentucky and others that are coming and there's no room in the chapel. It, it, it holds 1,600, but there's no room now. It's wall to wall. It's, it's standing room only because so many people are so hungry for God. People are giving their lives to Christ. Pe- people, are, people are being changed and healed. And, and you've got, <laughs> you got these kids that have never been to a Pentecostal service in their lives, and, and, and Pentecost has taken place. The Holy Spirit is moving in that place not because, not because they were fired up to do it. In fact, I think it's actually made some of the professors a little uncomfortable. One professor said he came in, walked in there. I won't say skeptical, skeptical but it was like, let's check this out. And he literally doesn't even remember the first 10 minutes that he was in there because he was so overcome but the glory of God in that place. Now, mankind will try to market this. Mankind will try to get their hands on it and mess it up. So I'm praying to God that that doesn't happen. We don't need a bunch of charter buses going to Kentucky. We, we, we don't. Just pray for those kids because all of those are future ministers that are going to do something great for the kingdom of God. But God, here, here's what I'm saying. God has given them a moment, a moment of revival that is historical. I want you to understand, this is not just a good service that they're experiencing. This is a historical move of God at that seminary that has not taken place for over 50 years. And it all started by a dozen kids, students. touched Jesus. They didn't hype anything up. They just touched Jesus. What might happen in your life? What might happen in this church if we just touch Jesus? Not, not, not crush him, not, not press into him, but, but, but humbly come into him and say, if I just touch him, I just might see my miracle. If I, if I just touch him, I, 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 I might just see what I've been praying for come to pass. If, if I merely, simply, and humbly touch him. I don't think God is wanting us to try to work him up so that he can send some kind of move. He's He's ready. <laughs> I think all we need to do is touch him and let his Holy Spirit do the rest. Maybe you find yourself similar to the woman in this story. You've been frustrated. Seems like your efforts just haven't gotten the results that you want to see. And maybe other people around you haven't made it real easy either. But if you could just, just pray. Just touch the hem of his garment. Just seek him. I just wonder if Jesus could pause and say, who touched me? And the angels might say, well, Lord, it's Sunday, you know. 
There's lots of people talking to you today. But Jesus would say, no, this is different. It's somewhere in Talmadge, Ohio. That little church that needs their sign replaced. That church in Talmadge, somebody touched me there because I know power's gone out from me. It'd be my prayer that I would just simply touch the hem of Jesus' garment for him to do the work that he wants to do in my life and in my church. So I'm going to give you a chance to do that today. I'm not going to have a formal dismissal. I, I, I'm going to give you a chance to simply touch him right from where you're at. Jonathan's going to continue to play. He might even break out in a song, but, but we're just going to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is very evident, where the presence of God is very real. And I urge you that if there's something you've been praying about for quite some time, would you touch the hem of his garment today? And could it be that the creator of the universe might just pause and say, somebody touched me today? And when you're finished seeking the Lord and touching that garment and letting him speak to you, you can consider yourself dismissed to fellowship in the lobby. But I think the most important person that all of us could talk to today would be the King of Kings because he's passing by. He's passing by. Will you reach out and touch him? Jesus, I'm not asking you to imitate anything. I'm not asking you to repeat anything. I'm asking you, Lord God, just to hear the prayers of your people. And even if what we have to offer is so little because we feel so weak, even if what we have to say just seems so insignificant, compared to someone else's mighty prayer. Lord, would you just pause and let your power touch us today? So Lord, touch our lives, touch our homes, touch our church. We just want to seek you and touch you. So Lord, have your way and go with us from here. Full of the Holy Spirit. And we'll thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Feel free to seek him as long as you need to.